The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. <laughs> Yo! What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 166. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com and special guest, also sort of from Bleeding Green Nation, I guess, uh, former Eagles uh, intern extraordinaire, Dan Klausner. How you doing, guys? Good. How are you, Jimmy? I'm terrific. Thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, the last time we, we recorded, uh, Nick Sirianni had not yet been hired by the Eagles to be the new head coach. So we've not discussed that yet on the pod. Thought we'd start there, maybe. We are recording on Wednesday at uh, 7.30-ish. So if anything happens between now and then, not our fault. But, Brandon, let's get to our sponsors first. Jimmy, the Eagles have a new head coach, and I don't know if he loves Righteous Felon Craft Jerky yet or not, but there's a chance he could one day. We'll see. And if look, Nick Sirianni, if you're listening to this podcast, which I feel like you should be, you know, you're new into the market, I feel like you should be getting some uh, familiarity the podcast scene and whatnot, you can go to rightsellin.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. So why don't you go do that? And why don't we talk about the fact that the Eagles have a new head coach? Also, uh, Nick Sirianni, if you're looking to buy uh, a house in the area, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. All right. So the Eagles hire Nick Sirianni. The basics on him is that, uh, A, He's not Josh McDaniels, which gives him uh, a leg up on Josh McDaniels. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, he's got a, a background. Uh, of course, he was the offensive coordinator in Indianapolis. He was a wide receivers coach. He was a quarterbacks coach. Um, so he helps, you know, essentially the two positions on the Eagles roster that probably need uh, the biggest help. Worked with three different quarterbacks uh, in his three years as Indy's offensive coordinator. Andrew Luck in 2018, Joe, Jacoby Brissett in 2019. Philip Rivers in 2020, uh, when Brandon and I actually, I, I think Dan, that was on the podcast that you were on too. We did where we did, um, uh, yes, please, meh, or uh, GTFOH. I believe I had him somewhere between a yes, please, and a meh. I forget where you guys had him. Where'd, where'd you got? Where'd you guys rate him prior to the hire? Start with you, bro, uh, uh, Dan. I forgot who you're talking about. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Then the new head coach of the Eagles, Dan. Uh, Nick Sirianni. We didn't yeah, have him on where, the list. Where did you have him? 
on those three. Remember we did like yes, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, 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 that's why I was confused. We, he wasn't on our list, and I was thinking the whole time like he oh, I should have seen him. Was he? No, no. no. That's he didn't come up yet. Oh, that's yeah, right. He, he kind of entered into the into the process late. But what did? All right, so we'll just skip that part. <laughs> Dan, <laughs> what were your initial thoughts on the Eagles hiring of Mr. Nick Sirianni? Um. It's funny. So I'm like kind of the sicko who will like if a team is good or even close to being good, I will look up who their offensive and defensive coordinators are just to like be like, oh, this guy could be a head coach. So I at least knew who Nick Sirianni was um, like to think that I would have been like, yeah, maybe they go to the Frank. Reich. They're, they're, they're upset. They can't get Frank Reich or they wish they still had him. So they go and get mini Reich. I guess I should have thought of that and made him my out of nowhere candidate instead of Byron Leftwich. Um, I really, I'm kicking myself now cause I could have looked like a genius, but, um, he see it's, it's interesting. Like, you know, Brendan's, Brendan's talked about the fact that it's, people are like, nah, you know, like we talk about having a yes, meh or GTFOH. Well, it seems to be a pretty overwhelming meh and thank God he's not Josh McDaniels from, from the fan base. But I don't know. I think that I don't know enough about him. I like his background enough. I like that he worked his way up. He comes from a family of, you know, of coaches, which is that his dad and his two brothers. And, you know, we'll see. I'm, I, it's, I just don't have enough. I just don't have enough to form much of an opinion aside from, all right, well, I don't think he sucks and I don't think he's good. So I guess he'll have a chance. He'll have a chance to, <laughs> I think you know, the classic meh. Me. Yeah. It's a pretty hard meh, but I guess I think it could have been worse. And, you know, I, It'll be interesting to see how he resonates in the locker room, how the staff resonates in the locker room without really any major veteran voices or, you know, coaches or anything like that. So, um, you know, I can't say I have a lot of confidence in the Eagles in general because they're still chasing their their Andy Reid after all this. But, you know, I'm going to give this guy a chance, at least because when I would originally look and, and saw that he coached under Frank Reich and would research him, you know, I would say like, oh, this guy could have a profile as like a future head coach. LG. Yeah, I mean, the way I described it when he was hired is like I'm very whelmed with this hire. Um, not <laughs> overwhelmed, not underwhelmed, just completely whelmed. I mean, you look at how the Colts have ranked offensively in DVOA since Sirianni has been their offensive coordinator. You know, it's they were 10th in 2018 when they had Andrew Luck, 19th when Luck retired unexpectedly. Not and bad they had 19th, in my opinion, Jacoby Brissett. Brissett, yeah. Brissett on short notice, you know, him just like becoming the starter basically right. a week or whatever before the season. And then 12th last year with Philip Rivers on his last legs in 2020. So, you know, the numbers are encouraging, good. They're certainly um, not anything that you'd be like, oh, that's really bad. At the same time, they're not anything that's so great that you're like, wow, right. we have to have this guy. Like, we, right. we have to have him. Like, this is a must-have kind of guy. Um, so it's really weird in the sense of, like, like why are the Eagles – like, why do they want to be the Colts so much? Like, like, why is that so enviable? I get, I get the Frank Reich part of it, but like, I don't know. So it just kind of feels weird how how much they're, um, they really love the Colts apparently, and then the Chargers too. If you want to loop them in there because of the influence, you know, uh, that that came from the Chargers to the Colts. Um, I would say, you know, the one thing that everyone's talking about, you know, with Sirianni and what, that we heard reported throughout the coaching search process was like the Eagles still believe Carson Wentz. Uh, or is their guy, or they want him to be their guy. 
And I just this idea that Nick Sirianni is some like quarterbacks guru just totally doesn't register with me. I mean, uh, you know, I was doing some of the research for a post on BTN like the day after he retired and I'm looking at it and, uh, you know, uh, our own Dave Mangles uh, helped point this out, too, where like he had Philip Rivers with Nick Sirianni as his quarterback coach had zero Pro Bowl appearances in his two years. The three years before Sirianni was his quarterback's coach, he made it three out of the four seasons. Three straight seasons after Sirianni was quarterback's coach, he made it three seasons in a row. So uh, it's like it's not like he's been this like amazing quarterback genius guru kind of guy. So uh, I, I just I'm a little hesitant to be like, okay, you got Sirianni, he's going to fix Carson Wentz, all is well in the world, especially when a lot of the concern we've talked about and that kind of Dan just mentioned there, like the head coaching search, like that doesn't fix everything. This almost feels like like it's a younger Doug Peterson to me. And there's still a lot of problems with this organization. And until those are fixed, like the head coach excitement is only going to go so far. And I feel like we've seen that. Like how – I don't know if it's just me, but like last week the Eagles hired Nick Sirianni. And I felt like an hour or two later, like there wasn't really even that much buzz about it. And even mm-hmm. since then, it's kind of been like muted, yeah. at least relative to like Chip Kelly and Doug Peterson. So I think that's a, that's where the Eagles are. I've talked about it before, like this perfect storm of apathy they've created. I think that we're seeing that. And yeah, I, 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 mean, I was going to say first, I think that I don't I don't know. I don't buy so much that they bought, brought him in to be this quarterback fixer guru type, because I think that they see him more. I would think that they see him more as a overall program builder, at least what they're hoping. And I didn't put as much stock into like, oh, look what he did with Phil Rivers. Look what he did with Andrew Luck. Look what he did with Jacoby Brissett, mainly because I still don't think Carson Wentz is going to be here. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I just take issue with that, like that that part of the storyline. So, sorry to cut you off, Jimmy, but go ahead. No, it's all good. Uh, I think, uh, and we'll get to him later. But I do like the uh, the Brian Johnson uh, right. reported hire. I think he's maybe the guy that's going to be most responsible for resuscitating Carson Wentz's career when it's all said and done, or not when it's all said and done. But getting back to Brandon's point real quick about um, uh, you know kind kind of trying to recreate the Colts. Um, I think that like, you know, them hiring a number of guys from that staff uh, while it can be viewed as sort of a, not a bad thing necessarily, but like a, uh, uh, like <laughs> no ideas kind of thing. Um, especially plucking from a team that, you know, got bounced in the playoffs uh, in the first round this year, got bounced. Like what was it? The second round of the playoffs, like a couple a few years ago, not last year. They didn't make it at all, but they're uh, one and two in the playoffs. Under yeah, okay. Um, what I think it maybe is uh, an indication of is that they let him actually pick a staff and, you know, he, he obviously he knows the guys on his, what was his staff, obviously in Indianapolis. And he brought over, you know, people from San Diego. Uh, so I, I think that maybe that's an indicate. It's weird that they let him sort of put together a staff, whereas they wanted to pick Doug's for him. So like, I think that's kind of weird, but it is maybe a little bit encouraging that they let him surround himself with, uh, you know, guys with with whom he's familiar, um, and they'll sort of let, uh, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, they'll sort of let him ride or die with uh, with the guys that he's bringing in. And obviously, the other theme that they have with their hires, both in terms of their head coach and their assistants so far, is they're all young; like they're all under forty years old. Um, I guess the the latest guy that was reported to be, um, you know, going to be their hire was. And I already forget his name, but the tight ends coach, 
he's like 42, I think. Do you remember his name offhand? Jason Michael. Jason Michael, yeah. And not like, I'm even older than him. <laughs> so like, I'm like, it's very depressing from my perspective because uh, yeah. I'm at least four years older than the Eagles head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator. And I'm not that old. Like mm-hmm. I'm 43, but it's very depressing to know that like I'm old, four, at least four years older than the Eagles' three most uh, uh, important coaches on 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 the, on the staff. Like, do you guys see that as a potential uh, problem spot in that they have such a young staff, or do you view that more uh, as a positive? Dan, I'll let you handle that one first. I was gonna say, yeah, dude, you're you're totally washed. Uh, first off, like that's, <laughs> but uh, no, and I, that's kind of when I in my initial response to Sirianni like a couple minutes ago like that's my biggest thing too is the amount of authority or like credibility in the locker room for the coaching staff like having this young staff who's the you know you can say like maybe some guys are ass kickers but who's the guy who's accomplished anything in the NFL for I think that like maybe you know be the guy who leads by example or has respect to the players or who can actually like point to like this is what I've done you know, you should lead, you should follow me at least with, you know, when they hired uh, Jim Schwartz too, at least he had been a head coach. He had directed defenses. Yeah. You know, it's, it is huge risks. And I, you know, I think it does, it does show how much they're really leaning into a rebuild. Like they can talk however much they want about wanting to rebuild Carson Wentz and, and all that, but every other, all their actions are like, this is a huge undertaking as far as rebuilding this roster putting in place a coaching staff that can grow together grow with the team grow with the new the new crop of talent and I you know I have a I have trouble thinking about the way you know even even veteran guys like Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox who you know have been there and have gone through the whole and Jason Kelsey have been there and gone through the whole thing who are the guys who are going to be their authority figures you know or guys that they've gone through everything with on the coaching staff and, uh, you know, at least they, they used to have Deuce, you know, at the very least. So I think that there is going to be a, you know, it, it is something that concerns me for sure. BLG. And then also, why don't you touch on Deuce when you're done? Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, they talk about wanting to get younger and we all think roster wise. Well, <laughs> here they are coach wise getting a lot younger. And I think even some of the messaging, at least that we heard from Jeffrey Lurie's wonderful phone call with Nick Sirianni that the Eagles put out there uh, was one of the lines he said was like, I'm excited about the coach like you can become. So <laughs> right. it seems like they're viewing this as like a growing thing. This isn't going to be kind of like short leash. Like it seems like they're, you know, they're really committed to this kind of vision of these guys are going to grow together as a staff. They're going to grow together as a young roster. Now that's all well and good as a plan on paper. We'll see, you know, how that actually pans out in reality. But it certainly seems like the approach. And then on Deuce, yeah, I mean, look, a lot of people are upset um, that he was not hired as the head coach because you look at some of the things that could have disqualified Deuce, like not calling plays before. Okay, neither did Nick Sirianni. Um, you look at the fact that the Eagles haven't had what, like a black head coach, general manager, offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator in a full-time position in what, like the last 23 years. I think a lot of people are rightfully upset about that. And it's not like since Ray Rhodes. Yeah. It's not like the Eagles. I want to be clear here. And I think people know this, or at least I think we all know this, but I just want to like put it out there that it's not like the Eagles, I think are, you know, are intentionally not hiring those people. Um, And, and like they, and they should hire someone, 
of a black person because um, just like to do it, to fill a quota. No, that's not no one's saying. But clearly the process probably isn't great if those candidates aren't getting into the mix more often. I think that's absolutely fair to criticize and uh, and wonder about. So so I get it. I get why people are upset that Deuce wouldn't be here. I thought he could make a good – I think he is going to make a head, good head coach someday, um, and especially as like a CEO kind of type where he has like, you know, the offensive coordinator taking care of the offense and the defensive coordinator taking care of the defense. Um, and clearly, you know, the Eagles didn't feel like that was the fit here. And part of it from at least what Paul Domowicz put out there is that uh, they feel like Deuce Dilly, and this is something I've heard too, is Deuce Dilly kind of coaches hard and he can kind of be intense, I think is the way I've heard it. And maybe too intense for their liking. And especially so for Carson Wentz's liking, who clearly doesn't like hard coaching, which has been detailed not only by Jeff McLean, but even further now in a, a report that ESPN's Tim McManus had out today, which I thought was pretty good and insightful. So, yeah, so I get why people are disappointed that, you know, Deuce didn't get the job. And, it, and it's disappointing that he's not here anymore. He's the only player or, or person, I should say, in franchise history with at least seven years with the team as a player and a coach like that's unique he's a unique figure in eagles history and now he's not here anymore because he was passed over yet again yeah todd bowles uh took over as the interim defensive coordinator i think in 2012 after they yeah. fired juan castillo but i what brand is referring to is uh full-time uh head coach defensive coordinator offensive coordinator or general manager has not been black since uh 1998 and during that span i think it's been 22 different uh, coaches or front office people that would fit that profile. Again, head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, general manager. So that's like 22. It's like, it's like a, it's a pretty big number to have not hired, you know, one black person. So uh, I do think that um, there's something wrong. I mean, I don't think certainly Jeffrey Lurie is Jeffrey Lurie is one of the most progressive owners uh, in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, but I do. There's clearly there's something wrong if you've hired 22 guys in that span and none of them are black. When it's such when what's the percentage of black players in the NFL? It's like 70 percent. So there's something wrong there, and 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 I, I think that's got to get fixed. Um, Brandon, you started to touch on Carson Wentz, and um, it's apparently it's not just uh, Doug that he had a problem with. <laughs> and there are, he's got problems with other people in the organization. He's not happy about. The way, quote unquote, I think this is how it went, that uh, he didn't like the way things went down uh, at the end of the season last th- this past year. So um, who wants to start in on that one? Oh, well, let's let me say, first of all, it's ridiculous that like, like it's just so ridiculous. First of all, I want to say to all the people who are like, oh, does <laughs> Carson Wentz even think this? We haven't heard from him. Well, guess what, people? He had the chance to talk and he declined and he knows that. His silence speaks. So it's not like he's like aloof or naive. Like he is being silent for a reason. Now you can interpret that reason, but clearly he he could come out and like quash, squash, squash, squash. They both work. They both Both of them. uh, All of this, you know, trade rumors, whatever. I don't want to be here. He could come out with a tweet or whatever or anything and a video. And he has many chances to do this and he hasn't done it. And you know you yeah, have Mike Twitter banned him like the president. <laughs> oh, you have you have Mike Garofalo going on WIP Garofalo. on Mondays. Garofalo saying that quote uh, like Carson Wentz feels a little bit off in his relationship with the entire organization. So going beyond the head coach, and that to me uh, reads like he almost wants assurances. 
like to be back next year. He wants, and, and this is me speculating, but just based on like the fact that the relationship is still off indicates to me like he's still looking for more, more than just a new head coach, but also like, hey, I want to be locked in as the starter. Maybe I want Jalen Hurts gone. Um, and I just think it's so crazy for a player to play as poorly as he did last year to be in that kind of position potentially. I just think from everything we've seen from Carson Wentz since the season ended, uh, at least in, not directly from him because he didn't talk, but in terms of reporting and everything, just really shows to me like he doesn't think he was to blame for last season. Or at least like he hasn't accepted the proper amount of accountability and blame in his role for this team's struggles. And that to me is just like pathetic. Like I don't, there's just no self-awareness there. Dan? Yeah, uh, I'm a big GTFOH on Carson <laughs> at this point. Uh, yeah, I just think the way, you know, the way that this whole thing has been handled too, it's just really disappointing and discouraging. And like, at this point, do you even want him in the building? Do you want him back after all this has gone down and you're trying to like, I think they, they kind of understand that they need to start over. And like, are you, are you really going to want to spin your wheels for two years with this guy who, by the way, you're not, you're not going to win a Super Bowl or really even get close unless you have a top five quarterback and he's not going to be a top five quarterback. I mean, you're hoping maybe he can become like a top 15, top 10 again, maybe. And I just, I don't know. I think you're spinning your wheels and you're going to create, you have the opportunity or the potential to create so many more problems within the locker room and with whatever it is you're trying to build as far as chemistry and culture with a guy who it seems at least from reports and behavior and all that, who doesn't, who, who thinks he's above all that or who maybe it wasn't buying in the same way. And, you know, I just don't think it's something that they can have that kind of like, you know, that kind of toxic agent in, in the locker room uh, when they're trying to build this new thing with a new coach who you would hope is going to have enough rope from the, you know, or enough of a leash from, uh, from management and from ownership to build his own thing here. And I just think there's way too much potential for a division between him and this quarterback who feels he's been wronged or somehow not treated correctly and who feels quote unquote off with the organization. I think it's, you know, I, like I said last time, you just got to rip the Band-Aid off. And if you're going to rebuild and reset, you got to kind of chop the head off as far as, like, who's kind of at the top of the roster. Um, so, you know, it's just a bummer. <laughs> like, the, to think about where they were at this position last year about, you know, this is, a, as I said, this is a head coach and quarterback-centric league. And you would have thought that they, you know, they had Peterson and Wentz. Those were their two guys that they were going to build around. And then a year later, they're both gone. And – I think that, you know, this is an owner and GM centric organization right now, which no organization wants to be defined by their owner and their general manager. Let's put it that way. You know, they want to be at least like any owner would be want to be defined by the head coach and the quarterback on the field who can win championships. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. But I it's just I don't think you can bring Carson back into this locker room. And that was even before them hiring Brian Johnson, who's basically like, you know, Jalen Hurts is, you know, he's known him since he was four years old or whatever. So um, I think it's pretty, just reading the tea leaves, I think it's pretty clear where things are headed. And I think it is, you know, I think it's the necessary decision. All right, let's take a break and we'll come back and we will talk about the Eagles. Uh, some of whom are, I guess they didn't um, confirm any of these hires yet, but all reported hires, uh, offense coordinator, defense coordinator, so on, return of Jeff Statlin, Brandon, well, Jimmy, before I go to break, I have to tell you about Right to Spell and Craft Jerky, obviously. 
of course, we have Dan, the Righteous Felon Craft Turkey's own Dan Clausner on the show. I mean, it's only right that I don't skip the ad with him here. Yeah, um, I'm right. Uh, so Righteous Felon Craft Turkey, you already know all about it. It's the meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles who just hired Nick Sirianni. That's right, Righteous Felon. Jerky and snack sticks are served at the Eagles Novacare Complex Fueling Station where players get their pre- and post-workout protein fix. If it's good enough for the Eagles, it's got to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is obviously local. They're based in Westchester, PA. They use locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef. They're committed to elevating the meat snacks category with superior quality and creative branding, such as with their new flavor, Truffalo Bill. So you could go check that out. Newly named flavor, I should say. Yeah, same um, same same flavor, new face. I suppose. What's your know. What's your favorite flavor, Dan? It is the Truffalo Bill, but that's because I'm a truffle guy. So, well, uh, <laughs> if you want to go be like Dan and get that, you can go to rightsofselling.com and use discount code BGN15 at checkout to get fifteen percent off. So make sure you go do that, and we will be back after this. Back after this, back here on BGN Radio, episode one sixty six. Talking about quarterbacks there for a little bit, uh, meaning quarterback as in franchise quarterback Carson Wentz. One thing I wanted to get to that, by the way, Dan, you mentioned in there like getting Carson Wentz like fixed. Like, what does that even mean? I always think about to myself, um, right. and like top fifteen caliber. Like, what does it mean now to have a quarterback in that range? I feel like more than ever, it's like, what are you doing? If you like, is that good enough to have a quarterback like that? Like, like when you're seeing Patrick Mahomes go like back to you know the super bowl and him being like basically invincible and like he's never lost a game by more than eight points and it's just like like really like you're, you're just gonna be good over here like building something good enough and Is hoping that, right? that he's never lost a game by more than eight points isn't that yeah. you go ahead look it up <laughs> yeah i'm sure it's right i mean it's just, that's just a crazy stat jimmy's face <laughs> yeah. is in disbelief he can't even believe it but uh yeah, I, I just think I to your point. Say, like, they keep moving the goalposts too. It's like, oh, we want to have a top five quarterback. Uh oh, our quarterback might not be good enough to be top five. Well, maybe you know, we can do. We can get by with top ten. It's like I don't know if he's that good. All right, top fifteen. We can do it with a top fifteen <laughs> quarterback. Like, it's just like, okay, I, you're not paying him. You know what you are to be a top fifteen quarter to be a top fifty or like hope that he's a top fifteen quarterback and that his teammates don't hate him or that he doesn't create this issue in the locker room or that people aren't you know don't feel comfortable following him. So, you know, it just feels like a, like you're right. Like, what are we even doing? What are we talking about at this point? Like, it's crazy. Like you look at the final four, not, not, I'm sorry, not the final four, the final eight in the playoffs this year. Like you can make the argument, like the sixth best quarterback was Drew Brees in that group. So like, yeah. it's crazy. Like how good the quarterbacks were that, that, you know, advanced uh-huh. to that. I mean, and then, I mean, like the seventh guy probably would have been like Baker Mayfield, who's still good. And then, you know, the, it was a big drop off there from, from Baker to, uh, Jared Goff, but you're looking at, you know, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, Drew Brees, as I already mentioned, Tom Brady, uh, Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and then like I mentioned, uh, Mayfield and Goff. So, I mean, like th- that's like a, gr- that's like a crazy group of quarterbacks there. Um, and especially in the, in the final four, of course, you have Rodgers, Mahomes, uh, Brady and, uh, and Josh Allen. So, I mean, like, it's pretty uh, elite company there, and uh, it's uh, obviously Carson Wentz was the worst statistical quarterback, arguably, uh, in the NFL last year. Uh, maybe Sam Darnold was a little bit worse, 
But uh, I mean, it can't just be like a little, it can't just be like a, a, a significant improvement. Like it's gotta be like a major, he's, like he's gotta improve basically more so than the drop-off was this year. Cause he wasn't playing like a top 10 quarterback in 2019 either. I mean, he had a nice finish to the season uh, where he, you know, he put a lot of guys on his back that you probably shouldn't have been playing in the NFL and they won four games against four bad divisional opponents. But like, he's got to, he's got to do a lot better than he did just in 2019. Uh, and certainly the drop off from 2019 to 20 to 2020 was just insane. So uh, I'm with you there completely that, uh, that, I mean, like, I think the way that you put it earlier, Dan, was uh, uh, are you just going to be spinning your wheels with this guy uh, for the next two years and and right. sort of wasting time uh, instead of taking a quarterback maybe in this draft or or sort of committing yourself, at least in the short term, to see what Jalen Hurts can do uh, in, in the immediate future? And it seems like it, he wants out too, you know? Like, I don't understand why you were going to try to mend this mend this relationship or fix this bridge when it's like you're just asking for you know you're asking for trouble with something like that when when it seems like it's already this frayed and you're at this point and again I think like reading all the tea leaves I think they know it I think it's just we're heading towards that divorce it's just a matter of where he's going to end up um and building your coaching search around them too yeah if that if that is <laughs> like true, crazy. yeah I, I always wonder about how much of that like is smokescreen but then it's also like well, would they really be so much of a smokescreen that they're having these coaching interviews and planting that in the coaching interviews, thinking that it's going to get leaked and that ever, all of a sudden everybody thinks that they like out in the league that they actually want to keep well, Carson. Much respect if that was if that's what they right. did. Right. Well, I'm not going to give them too much credit on that, <laughs> but I'm just I'm thinking of it, of it that way because yeah, and to like build your coaching your coaching search around it, and then but everything else aside from that, it doesn't it, it doesn't jive really with with that being like the singular goal of this coaching search. And honestly, I don't think it can be. If you're trying to build a program, there are a lot more components to it than just a disgruntled quarterback who might not, who just might not be very good anymore. So. Right. And if he, and even if he is good, does he have the right mentality to, to, to be great? Exactly. And I think you've already seen it by this point with a quarterback, you know, we're talking about a guy who's 28 years old now. I mean, you know, quarterbacks are good into the thirties, but you know, very rarely you don't know, like you might have a Tannehill here and there who's a reclamation project, but very rarely do you not know what a quarterback is by the time he's 28 years old. Very fair. All right. Uh, assistant coaches. So let's start with the defensive coordinator, seeing as that's the uh, most important uh, assistant coach, seeing as it's an offensive-minded head coach. Uh, of course, that is Jonathan Gannon, who comes over from the Colts. He was their secondary coach. Uh, widely regarded as uh, having done a nice job with their young secondary. Um, uh, the names are escaping me. Uh, Rocky Sin maybe didn't have a, a spectacular uh, year this past year. Actually, has uh, dealt with some injuries. But uh, beyond him, Kenny Moore, the slot corner, very good player. The safety, Julian Blackman from Utah, good player. Kari Willis. And who am I missing? Oh, you mentioned Kenny Moore. But anyway, all these guys are either 25 years of age or younger. So he's done a nice job uh, putting together that secondary and was widely regarded around the league as a potential defensive coordinator uh, hire. Got some interest from, I believe, the Seahawks, was it? And uh, also the Chargers. 
Bears. Chargers were maybe a little bit of a difficult uh uh, situation for him because he wouldn't have been running his own defense. Obviously, he'll be doing that here in Philadelphia. But uh, Brandon, what were your initial thoughts on that hiring? Kind of looks like an intense guy from the pictures and everything. Also, jacked. Have you seen? Did you see the picture of him? Oh, uh, yeah. the, the Vikings so, picture. Yeah, definitely looks like he beat some people up. That's always nice to see as a defensive coordinator. Um, you know, just get the players in line. <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting the background he comes from in terms of you know having worked under Mike Zimmer. Clearly, a four-three guy here. You know, that's what we're expecting. It's not like he's going to you know sh- shift systems or anything. Um, a lot of cover two is what we've heard f- uh, from his background. Um, I-, I think it's interesting that the Eagles hired a head coach who has kind of had a good track record in terms of getting receivers or the most out of receivers, certainly a trouble spot for the Eagles under Howie Roseman, considering he's really never gotten that position right and certainly never drafted a good one. And same thing pretty much other than trading for Darius Slay last year, if you want to include that in there uh, at cornerback. And that's kind of like where Jonathan Gannon comes in. And as you said, like I think Kenny Moore actually tweeted out that like Gannon uh, is like one of the best coaches he ever had. And that was totally like unprompted. He just tweeted that out when the report came out that the Eagles hired him on a Saturday evening. So uh, some encouraging stuff there from just in terms of the profile and the certainly sign. better than Slay coming out and saying that uh, Matt Patricia is a, a big jerk head. Yeah, that helps. I agree with that. And, uh, you know, look, I think it's interesting that uh, I think it's probably for as much as Jim Schwartz was like a known quantity on defense. And, you know, I think we defended him more than a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. In respects. Um, I think there is an exciting element to Gannon where it kind of, like what if he could be your Brandon Staley? Like what if he's this young guy who has like these exciting new ideas and he kind of brings in and like he the the floor might be lower, but the ceiling could be higher. Well, if he's your Brandon Staley, then he's only going to be here for a year and then he's gone because he's going to yeah. be a head coach. He's going to be a hot head coaching candidate somewhere else, which is what who said that Mike Lombardi or some who, somebody on the radio said that this guy was like the next Brendan Brandon Staley, or he was like a very hot commodity. They're um, not going to be good enough for that to happen. The Eagles as a team aren't going to yeah. be good enough for that to happen. There you go. They're thinking ahead. Like, okay, we're going to suck for two years. <laughs> That's right. So that doesn't get hired. Um, yeah, I think – so me personally, I always look if, – if it's a good defense or around the league, I always look at their secondary coach because it's such a high – it's like a – you know, it's a passing league, and I think that the rules against – you know, the rules that affect defensive backs and make it as e- so easy for passing offenses are so extreme that if you have like a really good secondary, I think that's the most impressive thing possible. Um, you know, even like the Niners last year uh, with their secondary, I was like, uh, I, th- I bet Joe Wood, would, who was their defensive backs coach, would make a good defensive coordinator. And he had previous defensive coordinator experience and he got hired by the by the Browns. So I like I mean, I, I think that I like the process on this one too. He's another guy who's, you know, he's late thirties, but he's been coaching for, you know, almost the better part of two decades. Um, you know, I know the Colts had a good defense. Um, he seems a lot like, I know that he's like Jim Schwartz in the sense that he likes to have his four down lineman rush and play coverage. He's not a big blitzer. He comes from the Mike Zimmer, um, you know, the Mike Zimmer tree, but uh, I, you know, everything that's been said about him is, is good, is really encouraging. And now it's about like, It'll be if he can make Eagles cornerbacks and safeties into effective players, then we'll really know just how good of a coach he is, uh, essentially. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this guy. I'm interested to see what'll happen. I wonder if you know he puts a lot of emphasis on 
having like a stud middle linebacker like he had with um oh man now now he's now it's Darius just, uh, Leonard Darius Leonard in uh, in Indianapolis uh yeah I wonder to see if like what kind of influence like what his influence over the defense is like and if it really affects the way that the Eagles are going to value certain positions um but yeah I'm I'm excited about this guy um and uh you know based on everything I've seen what I've you know what I've read and even just like watching the Colts too um that was like a tough defense I thought like even they didn't necessarily have all like top tier talent. You know, we're talking about a guy who had cornerbacks like Pierre Desir last year. And, you know, I don't, I think their most highly rated, uh, highly drafted player was Rocky Sin, who I don't even think is that good. And mm-hmm. it was, and they had Xavier Rhodes this year, who was like a retreat. So I really like, you know, what he did with his position group. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with the whole defense. On the Rhodes point too, Chris Boward specifically shouted out Gannon for that and like his work in like revitalizing him. Because Rhodes had a real bounce back season. He yeah, was like right, yeah. cooked in Minnesota. Like looked mm-hmm. like he might because I remember he got cut and like a lot of people were like, "Oh, Eagles should sign him." I was like, "No, he was terrible for the Vikings last year." And he right. kind of really had a, a, a he was rejuvenated in Indy. Gannon and, coached them there in Minnesota. Yeah, Xavier Rhodes before yeah not la- you know before yes right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, before the Colts. Yeah, so he was able to bring out the best in him once again. And another thing about Gannon, I thought that was interesting. Just wanted to mention real quick here that Schefter said on 97.5 this morning that like where a lot of the offensive staff was more like handpicked by Sirianni, and you can kind of tell that, and those are his guys. He said Gannon is a guy that the front office actually kind of liked more. And now obviously, I, I guess, you know, I'm sure Sirianni liked him too. They're on the same staff. They knew and there's a familiarity there. But like he specifically noted, like I think Lurie, like the front office, like really liked Gannon. Oh, we forgot to do this, by the way. Uh, we were going to say, are the Eagles better or worse with uh... – uh, at any uh, coaching spot where they uh, replaced an outgoing coach with an incoming coach. So let's go back to Sirianni for a second. Brandon, better or worse? Sirianni, Doug. Worse. Dan? Gotta be, gotta be worse. <laughs> yeah, right, Gannon, Gannon Schwartz. Better now or worse? Worse. Brandon? Dan? Same thing. Well, you know, until I see it, Gannon's never been a defensive coordinator, so they gotta be worse, you know? Like, nah, like I wasn't. And Schwartz has a high floor. Yeah, I wasn't always the biggest Jim Schwartz fan, but you couldn't argue with what he got out of the defenses. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think yeah, it's going to be pretty hard, hard worses across the board, except for Jeff Stoutland, who gets to be a. <laughs> oh no, I definitely have a better coming up. The, the yeah, quarterback oh. coach is going to be a better, but uh, <laughs> but uh, all right. So moving on, uh, well, I'm, I'm also worse on both of those guys too. Moving on, offensive coordinator, um, is it Steichen? Yeah, yeah. that's where we're going. Steichen. Okay. Uh, Steichen's more fun to say. Shane Steichen. Um, what did you think it was? Steichen? 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 I don't know. I thought it was Steichen, but I wasn't. I wasn't totally sure. You're correct. Um, anyway, uh, also, uh, oh, sorry. No, he's not from the Colts. He's from the Chargers, of course. He was the offensive coordinator there. Uh, was the interim offensive coordinator a year ago. Uh, has some quarterbacks coaching background. Uh, Lone season with the Colts, or I'm sorry, not the Colts, the Chargers. Uh, offense ranked uh, 18th in points. Uh, however, they were ranked ninth in yards, fourth in giveaways, and 15th in DVOA with rookie quarterback Justin Herbert. Uh, he, both he and uh, Pep Hamilton have been cre- credited with uh, Justin Herbert's um, uh, ascendance. Is that a word? Ascendance uh, as yeah. a rookie quarterback. Uh, Pep Hamilton probably deserving a little more credit than Steichen, 
But uh, obviously in Herbert's first season, he was awesome. He, he completed like 67% of his passes uh, through 31 touchdowns versus uh, uh, 10 interceptions. Obviously the Chargers season didn't go so well. But uh, Brandon, your initial thoughts on the Steichen hire. Yeah, so I reached out to the SB Nation Chargers site, uh, Bolts from the Blue, and because I wanted to get a you know their take on this guy, because it was kind of weird to me. Like I saw a lot of like Eagles fans uh, like being really excited about the Steichen hire, and I'm like, what am I missing here? Like, what what am I really supposed to get excited about? I mean, the Herbert thing stands out as what would be the obvious thing, but like like diving deeper into the Chargers offense last year, like they ran way too much on first down, despite having like they didn't even have a good run game, and it would turn out for most of the season their best running back. You know, like, what do you do? Yeah. Well, that and it's like you have this rookie quarterback. He's awesome. Like, maybe throw the ball more and and don't put him in like these these bad situations in third down, like which they were often in because they ran too much. Um, so, yeah, you know, take it for what it's worth. But a lot of Chargers fans feel like Pep Hamilton, who isn't even to be coming back with the team, by the way. So it's not a matter of just like, oh, like our guy, this guy was really deserves all the credit and the guy who left doesn't deserve any. So it's not even like that's happening here. Um, now, you know, with that said, I feel like Sykin deserves some level of credit, um, for Herbert's success, just given how, you know, the, the, what were they like seventh in passing DVOA? Um, so, you know, I think he deserves some level of credit here. Uh, but there was also some, like, did you guys see some of those play calls last year where the chargers were like down and they were trying to get back into the game? I think it was against Atlanta and Buffalo Two like pass obvious situations and they ran the ball with like no timeouts and they basically yeah. like lost a chance to get points like for no good reason because Steichen called these like terrible plays and now Anthony Lynn is you know the head coach and he obviously had influence there so I don't know how much you want to like put on him as well but a long story short here like I'm glad Steichen isn't calling plays because I don't or at least from what we think we don't know that for sure because you know obviously the Eagles haven't said to this point um, we're assuming it'll be Sirianni, but I'm glad he's not because I think there's a lot of like concerning stuff there. But at the same time, too, it's like when you're you have to be happy, you're adding someone who isn't calling plays. Like, is that really a great endorsement of the hire? Yeah, I was going to say this is the the hire that has me the least excited, or I would say the most skeptical. I think this is really one where um, Sirianni should have brought in a a veteran coach, whether it's a head co- a veteran ex-head coach or offensive coordinator. I think this was the, I think this was the position to do it at. And then the higher Steichen who has one year of offensive coordinator experience, who has shown really just a back, like despite having who looks like a, you know, a generally you know, top tier talent quarterback, kind of just having this backward philosophy of how to call plays and how to run the offense. And, you know, it would have been one thing if you committed to the run with Austin Eckler, but like you're doing it with Justin Jackson and Kalen Balazs and Josh, uh, what was the other the rook? Josh Kelly. Justin. I mean, oh, it's Josh Kelly. Yeah, yeah. And Guyton. What was that guy's the receiver's name? Who am I thinking of? You're screwing up my flow here. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Dan. No, you're good. I, I just like that kind of stuff. It mystifies me. Like you said, like the splits between them. It was like they were running on first and second down, and then telling uh, Herbert like on third down, "Hey, could you bail us out?" And he would a lot too. And I don't know, I, you know, it's not like I watched a ton of Chargers games, but you would watch Red Zone. And how many times were the Chargers up by like three touchdowns this season and lost because of how bad play calling and execution was in the second half of games? I mean, there are at least two games from that too, which I know is just a Chargers thing throughout their history anyway. But I don't know, like it, it wasn't as imp- 
you don't get the same kind of good vibes that you would hope about this guy as an offensive coordinator coming from what happened with, you know, Justin Herbert and coming here and like, sure, maybe he's not going to call the plays, but I don't know. I really thought that Sirianni needed a, a veteran head coach or a veteran offensive coordinator as kind of his, the guy to lean on here instead of maybe just his buddy from coaching who, you know, it, it that's that this, this one is really where I think, you know, I'm the most, uh, the most skeptical. As I watch Brandon taking a peek at the Sixers game, Sixers up 34 to 24, by the way, right now. Who are they? Uh, so, uh, the Eagles didn't necessarily have an offensive coordinator last year, but I guess for the sake of comparing uh, for our game, uh, would you take Steichen or, I don't know, we'll compare him with Skango? (laughs) I will. (laughs) Skango will be going up against... uh, Uh, Fatillo. Oh, what the hell is his name? Fatillo? Fatullo, Fatullo. So we'll say... say, uh, I don't know. Up against Marty. <laughs> Marty Morningleg. I mean, I'll say better just because it, I like the structure more. At least it's more structured now where it's like this is the offensive coordinator. He coordinates the offense as opposed to this cockamamie structure of like guys and all these different roles. I like that better, just the structure of it. Dan? I mean, I got to pass. This is totally – yeah. <laughs> better. I'm going to take Marty then over this guy. Marty's got a track <laughs> record, you know? I'm not uh, – not gonna, not gonna put him down. He's worked more than one year as an offensive coordinator. He's got experience with lots of different quarterbacks, lots of different schemes. So yeah, if you put me on the spot, I guess I'll take Marty here, just because I'm not buying the, I'm not buying Steichen. I'm gonna say better because I don't think he's gonna be calling plays, so that wouldn't be a concern for me going forward. And I think that's the biggest concern area uh, with this guy. Um, anyway, let's hear from me and my daughter about Kristen Roach from Roach Realtors. <laughs> Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. 856-906-9295. All right, so let's uh, finish this out. We'll cover just a little more quickly than we did with the coordinators, uh, the rest of the offensive staff that they've hired, starting with quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson, who comes from the University of Florida, was their um, uh, offensive coordinator there. He had he was actually a quarterback for uh, Utah in the late aughts. And I think he started in 20 or 2005, 2006 and 2008. He was actually on the cover of, I guess the, I don't remember. I don't the it's like the Madden equivalent of the college football game, uh, video game, uh, actually threw like 27 touchdowns versus nine, nine versus uh, nine interceptions. His, uh, his last year at Utah had a 26 and seven record. So he was actually a pretty good college player. Uh, didn't really, get much of a chance in the NFL. He got a rookie tryout with Green Bay, and that's just during, like, OTAs or minicamp or whatever. Uh, didn't even get, like, a camp invite, it doesn't look like. And started coaching uh, the following year in 2010 when he was only 23 years old. So he's been coaching um, all in college, uh, coaching quarterbacks 
or and or being an offensive coordinator for 11 years in college. And he's not even 34 years old yet. He's going to turn 34 in February and uh, well regarded around the around the league. He coached Dak Prescott at Mississippi State. Uh, actually, do you guys know a little trivia question for you? He actually coached another NFC East quarterback as well. Do you guys know who that was? Kyle Allen. That is correct. Kyle Allen at uh, the University of Houston, uh, who's now with, of course, the Washington football team. Uh, lost my place here. Anyway, um, he does come with a little bit of clout, uh, and, and he's young, and he's, uh, he's coming off uh, a season uh, at Florida in which his quarterback, Kyle Trask, who wasn't super well thought of, uh, prior to the season, is uh, finished fourth in Heisman voting. I think most people kind of have him pegged uh, at worst uh, day two pick, possibly a round two pick. Um, so he does come with uh, some youth and some experience on top of that and some young ideas, and that Florida offense was very good. Obviously, they had some good players in Trask. And, um, uh, oh, man, I can't believe I'm uh, forgetting the tight end's name already. Kyle Pitts. Oh, my God, Kyle Pitts. And then uh, the slot receiver, Kadarius Tony. He's going to go in the first round as well. So uh, what do you guys think of the hire? We'll start with Dan here. Uh, I like this one a lot, actually. And he, I was trying to think, did, did he overlap with Urban Meyer at all? Or was did Urban had our, Urban already left for Florida and he was with he's, Whittingham? He's, he, yeah, he's, he was long gone because he's only been with Florida for only a few years, I think, right? So. No, no, I'm talking about when he was a, a player oh, at Utah. Well, no, he was. Oh, right. I'm. 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 I'm <laughs> he said Urban Meyer. I thought Florida. Um, uh, I think he was there oh, under oh, Will Smith. It might have been Whittingham, but I think I think Brian Johnson. Again, I'm not looking this up, but I think he followed Alex Smith at Utah. But he was the Utah offensive coordinator when he was 24. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> like two years removed from college, he became yeah. the offensive coordinator. He's got a great track record, obviously. Like you said, he's coached, um, you know, uh, Dak Prescott at Mississippi State, Trask at Florida. I did not know about the Kyle Allen thing. Not like it really matters because, you know, who cares? But um, <laughs> to know his track record uh, and that the fact that, like, yeah, yeah, I would imagine he was pretty highly thought of. And I mean, it seems like Kyle Allen was their chosen starter at one point this year when yeah. everyone was still healthy. He had, a, he had a hot minute in Carolina last year, too, where they – wanted to pretend he was the franchise quarterback in the making. Um, no, I like this hire a lot. He's shown, you know, the youth act part of it is, is like irrelevant to me, but he's a former player. And again, I think that that kind of thing will carry weight in the locker room, um, you know, with, with certain players or even if he didn't play in the league, but um, you know, and again, he's, he's a black coach. And I think this is another guy who has the profile of what you would call like a, a, a rising star in the profession. And, you know, like, and we've also mentioned that he's basically, uh, you know, he's known Jalen Hurts since he was four years old. I think somebody was saying, Brandon, are you the one who said that Jalen Hurts is the only uh, eagle that he was already following on Twitter when he got hired? Or was that, I think I might have read it elsewhere. But, um, yeah, if you want, again, if you want to read the tea leaves, that would seem to suggest what they're really thinking as far as how they want to develop the quarterback and who they want to develop. So um, I like this one a lot. Um, you know, for a guy who had no idea who Brian Johnson was until seven hours ago. Um, uh, yeah, I do. I do like it a lot. And then I actually kind of remembered, I was like, oh yeah, this was the guy who was the quarterback at Utah. So Brandon. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Dan, the, the Hertz thing. It's interesting. He's known him since he was four years old. Uh, he recruited Hertz at Mississippi yeah. state. 
Hertz obviously picked Alabama instead. And then uh, Johnson actually played for Hertz's dad, I believe, in high school. So that's a little, you know, it's a, it's a little interesting connection there. Um, I've heard all I need to hear. It's definitely noteworthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's something. It's not nothing. Um, it's kind of weird to me from an age perspective. I like the profile. I don't disagree with anything you guys have said so far. The age thing's a little bit interesting because he's basically right around the same age that Press Taylor was. Like, mm-hmm. and a big problem with Press Taylor. You know, from what we heard and I've said here ad nauseum is that the relationship was too buddy buddy. Now, I'm, I'm thinking, hoping, projecting maybe that that's not going to be the same case with Brian Johnson. Um, but just from an age perspective, I just wonder. And and then from an inexperienced perspective, like he's never played in the NFL. He's never coached in the NFL. Does he have the kind of clout to like tell Carson Wentz? what to do. I mean, does anybody really, first of all? So uh, I just kind of <laughs> wonder about it from that perspective. I don't really like dislike it necessarily. I think it's a, an interesting hire. Um, I'm glad it's just not another guy connected to Nick Sirianni and fits mm-hmm. in that picture that's going around, like the meme of all the white guys, like with their heads tilted at like a tennis match or whatever. Mm-hmm. Basically what's like the Eagles coaching staff is from all like the, the, the white guy, Nick Sirianni guys that they have so far. And to a larger point, I mean, talking about like how uh, the Eagles process has been flawed in terms of, um, you know, maybe not like and, and not hiring black coaches and really just across the landscape of the NFL, it's good to see a black quarterbacks coach, someone in a position where these are the coaches that are get, getting promoted to offensive coordinator and head coach. Um, so I like it from that perspective, too, just a, a wider range. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good hire. And I think it's a no brainer. Yes improvement from all of us when it comes to this guy over press taylor for sure yeah for sure definitely better for me dan better yeah i mean sight unseen all right uh jeff statland back as the o-line coach look like he might be heading to alabama for a bit uh, i wonder how much him. him more you think there you think it was a, a huge bump in salary or what hey. i Could was be. wondering it was interesting that he would be the, not that. I mean, he's obviously an amazing coach, but like he was the only one out of ever, anybody on the staff that they had any interest in keeping. Think I he's think. got that kind of savvy? I think so. Uh, I like to extract more money from from uh, Jeffrey. Oh, for sure. Hey, I'm going to Alabama. It's like, okay, we'll pay you whatever you want. <laughs> so say. I think we mentioned this on a previous podcast, but uh, the point I made was, uh, okay, so it's good for Andre Dillard and Jordan Mailata and that they're young players and they don't have to now learn uh, a new set of techniques from a, a, a new O-line coach. They can continue to you know, just learn under Statlin. On the other hand, Statlin loves him some Jason Peters. So like, <laughs> if he's going to have like any kind of roster say, I mean, it would be just absolutely absurd, obviously, if they brought Peters back. But I would say that them keeping Statlin definitely ticked those odds up like a little bit, right? Yeah, he wants to play another year, so... <laughs> and he did say we in that interview when they found him on the street. So, right. Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. But I guess the positives would outweigh that negative for me with keeping Stoutland. Um, yeah. So. So let's run through the right, final so we'll ones move, here. Yeah, move on. T- tight end coach. Uh, Justin Peel got hired by the Falcons to be their tight end coach. Eagles hire G- or reportedly hire Jason Michael. Didn't that guy play for the Phillies? Was that Jason Michael? That was Jason Michaels. Michaels. Ah, classic. Okay. I'm so, oh, no, I'm thinking of Aaron Rowan. Aaron Rowan ran face first into the fence. What right. did Jason – Jason Michaels was known for something, right? No? I don't know. Anyway. 
<laughs> Riveting. <laughs> anyway, Jason, Jason Michael is the new tight ends coach, tight ends background. I don't have anything. He was the offensive coordinator for, uh, I want to say the Titans uh, yeah. for a few years. I really don't know enough about him. That just happened today. I didn't really research that much. And you guys have anything insightful to add on him or can we just move on? I was going to say, at the very least, the Colts tight ends, they had three good tight ends last year. And he, you know, Mo Alley Cox. Yeah, it was a guy that he helped develop. I mean, they had Burton. Jack Doyle was there too. What was that? Jack Doyle's uh, yep. Colts. Jack Doyle. Yep. And Trey Burton. So at the very least, there's good. Oh, Burton, right. Good there, I would say, you know, for, for what he did with the Colts. But like, okay, cool. Good. We had a good tight ends coach so, with Justin Peel. So. All right, moving on. Well, Kevin Petulo. I just want to, one thing on Michael. Oh, right. He kind of has an uh, interesting, diverse background. Like a lot of guys, I feel like he would hire as a tight end coach have probably just been a tight end coach a lot, right? Or like maybe a special team, something in there. But he was actually mm-hmm. like a quarterback's coach. He's a former college quarterback himself. And yeah, he had the offensive coordinator experience. And he actually called plays when Ken Wisenhunt got fired and Mike Malarkey was the interim head coach in Tennessee. So he has some of that. So I would think like, he's kind of here to be tight ends coach, but also like have some influence too on the offense, which is just like a little interesting, but yeah, I mean, I think Peel is a good tight ends coach. I think you can say, but I mean, the talent was also always so good that I think if you had a right, bad right. tight ends coach, it really wouldn't have mattered a ton. I don't know. All right. Better or worse on those two? Uh, worse. Dan, can I say neutral? No, sure. No, I'm going to say neutral. I'm going to say worse. I think Peel did a good job with uh, Goddard blocking. I mean, Goddard was obviously thought more of as a, a pass-catching tight end coming out of South Dakota State because his numbers were awesome, and he had like, such a great highlight reel. I think maybe his blocking got a little overlooked in college or nobody cared yeah. because they were on like, because it was a lower level of college football. But uh, obviously he came into the league and, and Peel uh, made him into a, a plus blocker. Uh, he was a blocker immediately like when he came in. Yeah. All right. So Kevin Petullo, uh, he's now their passing game coordinator. Uh, nope. Job formerly held. Pass game sorry? coordinator. Sorry. Pass game coordinator. Pass game coordinator. Uh, job title he also held with the Colts in uh, 2020. He's 39 years old. Been coaching in the NFL since 2007. Uh, coach with the Chiefs, Bills, Titans, Jets, and Colts. Mostly their wide receivers. A little bit of experience coaching quarterbacks. I do like that he has that receiver background. Uh, Brandon, anything to add? Uh, the guy that got pushed out of his job as Colts wide receivers coach because the Colts hired Mike Grow. So that's interesting. And, uh, also, I think this is the kind of hire that kind of makes the Steichen hire disappointing because, like, they hired this guy at least reportedly first. And for Batulo to kind of be like Siriati's like right hand man, like a guy that he's experienced with, that seems like cool to have one of those guys. But then you bring in another and Steichen, who kind of comes from like similar ideas and everything. And I feel like at that point, it's kind of like getting or approaching overkill. Um, that's all I got on that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say same thing. Like I feel like at least one of the you know, one of those two guys has to be somebody who you're not boys with, I would think, or someone who can come in and have different ideas and maybe be a veteran influencer. He'll kind of show you the ropes. So that's, you know, again, concerning, but I'm not going to pretend like I know enough about this guy, um, about Petulo. Like the Colts themselves had a very like horizontal passing attack. Mm, um, always love that. Yeah. And, you know, listen, you have Phillip Rivers' arm and, you know, you, their only real threat at wide receiver was a 31, 32-year-old uh, T.Y. Hilton. So I get it. But I do like, you know, that they switched to – kind of fit their personnel, the kind of guy they, they got the ball into the hands of their playmakers within, you know, five, 10 yards a lot. 
whether it was like screens for wide receiver screens or short passes or swing passes for the running back coming out. So, you know, there, there's that factor to it, but I don't know. I, I get, cons- you know, I'm a little concerned about like just how much, how it's going to blend with the talent in this offense of like an offense, which last year, if you'll remember, wanted speed, speed, speed to get vertical, vertical, vertical. And now the whole thing's been scrapped, but you have these players who you, they were drafting to fit into the system. So, you know, we'll see how it all works out. But right now it kind of feels a little clunky. Scango to uh, Petulo, better or worse? Well, we'll say better. Okay. <laughs> better. I have no idea what Scango did. So. Better. Why not? Better for me. For Why sure. not? Well, Scango didn't even know what his role was. Yeah, so. that's a problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, defensive line, uh, quickly, Tracy Rocker. Uh, he is, I'll call him a defensive line lifer uh, in that he's had, like, a ton of jobs uh, in the college, college rank, West Alabama, Troy State, Cincinnati, Arkansas, Old Miss, Auburn, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, and then Auburn once again. Coached for a couple years with the Tennessee Titans. All those jobs, all defensive line. Reminds me a little bit of um, Chris Wilson when the Eagles hired him, like he had this extensive background uh, in the college ranks. Uh, Brandon. Yeah. I think one of the things that I saw on Twitter about him from a a, a Titans writer was like, kind of, he basically said like, he's more of a college coach. Like that was his impression. Kuharski. Yeah. Is that who? Yeah. That was his impression of uh, Tracy Rocker during his time with the Titans. And I watched some like videos of him uh, coaching up college kids. Yeah. I mean, he's worked with a bunch of, like big name guys in college, uh, Trent Cole among them, Demarcus Ware, another one. Uh, there's uh, Peria Jerry, like a bunch of like first round. He's, he's worked with a bunch of guys who have been talented, so I guess that's good. But uh, I don't know. I feel like the way with the Eagles like prioritize their defensive line, you know, it's just more about the talent there um, than necessarily like coaching up these. It's not like they're putting like these resources into the defensive line. They're like UDFAs and like day three picks. And they're like counting on those guys to like be coached up. They're like putting premium resources into the line. And I feel like if you do that, you're probably going to make out. Okay. Kind of like the same thing I said about tight end. Dan. Uh, the coolest thing about him, obviously is his son Kumar, who I think the Eagles should pick with their, one of their seventh round conditional picks. Uh, just for fun. He'll be the number one pick in the Major League Baseball draft coming up. He's like a freak. He's built like a defensive end, but he's a pitcher. Um, so they, I think, yeah, they, they took Mylotta in the seventh round. So take a flyer on Tracy Rocker's kid and see if he can play defensive end. But uh, I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about him, uh, about Tracy, the coach. <laughs> it's funny you use the word freak. Uh, that's a point I was going to make. So like uh, Kuharski, as Brandon mentioned, said that uh, – uh, he's a co- uh, he thought he was a college coach, and my initial thought on that was, well, what does that mean? Like you don't know, like you, you like what do you see him coach him up, and you can determine that he's just a college coach. And then I remembered, oh well, you know what, Gunter Brewer was definitely just a college coach. <laughs> he had like uh, a lot of like a lot of yeah. like college high school type things. Like Mac Hollins, who he coached at, uh, of course, at uh, North Carolina, had like this uh, like this caution thing in front of his locker that said like uh, freaks only zone or something like that. And it just really rubbed me like a <laughs> college high schooly kind of thing to, to have. So maybe uh Kuharski does know what he's talking about on that, but uh, I, I do. So uh, better or worse on uh, Mr. Rock. I'll say worse. I mean, I thought the, de- I mean, the defensive line was good last year, right? Or at least pr- pretty much. And I thought Matt Burke did a good job in his first mm-hmm. year on the job. So, and I wonder if they'll keep Matt Burke at all, by the way. Yeah, like I thought he was a potential 
defensive coordinator candidate. And I haven't heard I haven't heard anything about him. Like, is he going to have a role at all on this team? He has a linebacker's I experience, would, so I wonder, like, maybe if they put him there. Who knows? We'll see. And Flagell, of course, retired, um, which we should probably get to as well. Which I mean, I guess we already did, but uh, <laughs> nothing more to say on him. But yeah, I guess that's possible that he could be linebackers coach. Uh, am I missing anyone here? I don't think so. Uh, we mentioned the youth of the uh, coaching staff, which we covered already. Uh, John Dorsey, quickly before we wrap it up, uh, he left to be the senior something or other heirs of the Detroit Lions. Uh, a lot was made of uh, John Dorsey potentially taking on a big role uh, in the Eagles front office. Like maybe he'll be the guy who makes the picks, like does the personnel stuff, and how he can just be the just be the money guy. Uh, as it turns out. Uh, actually, I had mentioned on the podcast like what I uh, knew to be uh, the role of. Um, oh man, of, of I'm sorry, Flakes. Flex. Of uh, no, uh, the former GM of the Washington Football Team, Scott McLuhan. Scott McLuhan. His role, Scott McLuhan's role, is basically to just write up reports on certain players that they wanted reports done on. And he'd write them up and make recommendations every now and again of players that he evaluated in the past. And that was his role. Like it wasn't a big role at all. And apparently that was like Jeff McClain tweeted out like, and it sounded like it was basically that role as well. So like the idea that John Dorsey had already come in here and had some kind of big role, like some important role in the front office, or he was going to have some kind of big role in the front office was wildly overblown. And it wound up being like a, a nothing storyline this offseason, and obviously he takes on uh, a legitimate role with the Detroit Lions, but doesn't seem to have ever really been in big plans for the Eagles. Yeah, but the Eagles GM tree is growing now. It's another person from the organization, <laughs> right. you know, just leading right. success throughout the league. Yeah, the, the Dorsey- extend Howie for another three years for that for John Dorsey getting hired somewhere else. That was always so that that when that came out, I said it at the time, and I want to reiterate it now. Like that was so because if you recall. The Dorsey news came out like a couple of days after Domo put out in the Inquirer that Lurie wasn't even considering getting rid of Howie Roseman, and everyone was right. you know, furious about that. And then the George Dorsey thing comes out, yes, and then yeah. Uh, yeah, it turns out to be nothing. So great, awesome. So you're saying the Eagles put that out to, of course, yeah, maybe maybe not people maybe make people not feel so bad about Howie coming back and that there was maybe a guy that was coming in to sort of be a, a Joe Douglas kind of right-hand man kind of guy to Howie. I saw people talking themselves into that too. I, I tweeted at the time. I was like, people should not be excited about this. Like, and then people were like, Oh, you just hate the Eagles. You don't want them to have any fun. And to a larger point, I want to say throughout all of this, like, cause I've seen even some of the reviews on, uh, you know, I read the reviews here for BGN radio on Apple podcasts. And obviously you should leave, a rating and review but like talk about you know how there's a lot of negativity here but like look i mean that's the situation that's man. Four, 11, and one. All, all that and like <laughs> i don't want to be this person i hate i want to just be honest here and be like i hate who i've become about this team <laughs> like how cynical i've become because like look man i love the eagles like i i only did this as like starting out as like a hobby this wasn't like i had no idea this was going to become a career or anything and like like i think about this team entirely too much it's not good for my health um and that's why i think like it's just it's become such like a weight on me in 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 some ways and i know a lot of eagles fans you know who feel passionately feel the same way like it's, it's your obsession i get it but like 
and I want to see them do well, ideally. But I just don't think they're in the position where they are right now to like immediately do that as much as they obviously kind of need to take a step back and be more realistic about everything. So it just sucks. It sucks to be in this spot. I don't want to be here. But the reality is we're here. So we're just trying to make the most of it. How much How much does uh, this is self-loathing um... – how much of that is also like driven by what Andy's doing with the Chiefs? He's finally got his quarterback, and you see, you know, like I tweeted, like my grandfather always said, second marriage is the best one. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, does any of that? Because I find myself thinking about that too, like the positions that both franchises are in, and how the Eagles kind of see themselves versus what they actually are, and you know, like the zenith that they had with Andy's. You know, you don't get that with coaches. You don't find that. You really don't find that again. And they had everything except the Super Bowl. And it's because, you know, you can say for whatever reason. But, you know, Andy found his quarterback who's going to be a, a Hall of Famer, no no doubt or about it. And, like, that's what put him over the top. And I think, you know, it, it's hard to see the position that both franchises are in and have that kind of FOMO as well. Um, and understand like the Eagles are just basically spinning their wheels, trying to find that, you know, find by the seat of their pants, trying to find that Andy Reid again. And they just don't exist. I mean, you know, Andy Reid, by the time he's done, he's going to be one of the top five coaches ever. Right. Like, you just don't. He could be the yeah, best I, coach ever. Like if, if, yeah, he if could Mahomes be and, and he, he keeps winning with Mahomes, like, yeah. Yeah. How old is he now? Andy is 62, 63. Sounds about right. And all he's ever going to do is coach. He's like Belichick. He's going to die as a coach or something. You know, I bet yeah. Andy's going to coach at least ten more years. But he'll coach until Mahomes retires. Basically, he was he was uh, unemployed for like a day <laughs> after the Eagles hired. Like, I I thought there was a chance he might take like a year off or something. Nope, like job Not immediately. Him. He got fired, and I think later, like when he left the Novacare complex after that sham of a like so, like a <laughs> hail to the Eagles, <laughs> baby. Carmack <laughs> to Clark Hunt to the Hunt family plane to go to Kansas city and he was hired immediately. And I was like, ah, you know, but honestly, like, I don't know. Everybody, everybody has their own opinions. I'm happy for Andy. Like you, there for that? you weren't there yet for that. Right. Hell no. to the Eagles baby. Okay. No, that was right. At, uh, hell to the Eagles baby. Um, was, that in the, uh, was that in the cafeteria? They did that. Yeah. Oh God. So, so cheesy. Not some things don't get there, but I'm happy for Andy. I'm glad to see what's, what's happening. And you know, I don't have any ill will. It's like you got to be like a pretty cynical or sour person to uh, to have that ill will. If we hadn't won the Super Bowl three years ago, I'd probably be completely different about it, like how self-loathing it would be. But I find I do find myself happy for Andy that he's finally able to get over the hump. And, you know, he's got his – you know, he's got the quarterback to do it for him too. So um, – but I do think that that – I think Eagles fans have to see it through that kind of prism too of like what could have been or what should have been. And that's really what's driving a lot of – this current consternation and feelings of hopelessness too. Well, how about this? Right. Like, so from one perspective, I think about it as, and I know it's not as simple as this, and I think Andy needed a fresh start, and I think the Eagles needed a fresh oh, start. For sure. Oh, for sure. But at, over. like at a just objective fact level, the Eagles picked Howie Roseman over Andy Reid, and that doesn't feel amazing. Um, and I know it's not as simple as that, but bigger issue than that, you have the Eagles over here, bragging about 35 wins in three seasons while the chiefs are about to like go win two super bowls like who like right. it's just, just like that's just so infuriating <laughs> right like they, they uh, there's a lot of, a lot of loser energy that's what I mean. they have no right. perspective of like how like like they think everything's great things are you know better than fans realize i think that's i feel like more than ever i feel like the fans and the team are really disconnected more than ever about like the standing of the franchise you see it go to the eagles mentions right now i know it's a dangerous place but like search at eagles and it's like literally anything they tweet is like fire howie roseman fire it's just like that's all the replies 
and they're going to be like that if they don't keep winning. And yet, it just doesn't feel like uh, they just have any kind of realistic, uh, you know, scope of where they understand. And and I think like that's not going to change in a year because they're looking at this thing right now as like a long term build with these young coaches and you know these young players. They think it's going to be a transition. So, uh, I just like where's the hope? <laughs> where's the hope? Uh, before, before we recorded. Uh, Dan asked if we could talk about the senior bowl a little bit. Uh, <laughs> We're running over Brandon, now. <laughs> Brandon said, well, if we have enough time. So we are a little long here, but uh, what, would you, what would you like to talk about the senior Why bowl? Why don't you again? give like one player, really, each of you excited about the senior bowl? Okay. Then go you ahead, Jay. No, I got to look it up. <laughs> Damn it. Look it up I'm too. a little down on my senior bowl now. Talk about the senior bowl. I'm uh, not even ready to talk about the senior bowl. Good stuff. <laughs> So right. Fun. We just asked him for one player that he's excited about. Who's the guy from Wisconsin Whitewater, the offensive lineman, D3 I guy? I don't remember his name. His name? But, he's, but he's killing people there. Uh, did, you, to... did you watch his uh, – did you watch his – Yeah, I watched that. Yeah. Oh, it's a Quinn uh, – I don't know how to pronounce this. Miners? M-E-I-N-E-R-Z. Just kills people. And his uh, college team. He's like, uh, who's that guy uh, went second round back in the day? Uh, Amini Silatolu. Remember him? <laughs> Not remember him. He was, like a D, he was like a D3 guy. And his college tape is like hilarious because he, he like guys are just bouncing off of him like he's uh, Christian Okoye in, in uh, Tecmo Bowl. But okay. I'll give you – hold on. Let me let me find a guy real quick. All right. I'll do one. My, I, and because I mentioned earlier that I think the Eagles are going to look for uh, for linebacker. Um, okay. With Darius Leonard. But, um, uh, Chaz Surratt from, uh, okay. from Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. I don't know if you've looked up his – like I think he's only been playing linebacker for a couple of years. But he's got some like – he's a guy who can cover. He can run with tight ends. And he had some great – he's – my big – one thing is, you know, if you're an ageist, he turns 24 in a month. Hmm. But he had some – stats i think he had i'm looking this up right now he had like six sacks this year a forced fumble interception and that was coming off of last year where he had six and a half sacks and a pick so this is a guy who you know seems like he can be used in a lot of different ways too especially quarterback yeah he was a quarterback so he's a potential as a pass rusher so he's a very you don't see too many quarterbacks transition to linebacker so he's to me he's a really intriguing player who i am um you know who I'm interested in seeing in the uh, in the Senior Bowl, and he seems to be pretty locked in as like a day two top 100 pick. I'm gonna go obscure here. Max Duffy. Ooh, he's a punter from <laughs> the University of Kentucky. Cameron Johnston is uh, gonna be a restricted free agent this offseason. Yeah, but they signed Aaron Sabas. This guy win the Ray Guy. What's that? This guy when when the uh, Ray Guy Award, I Max know, but he's one of the punters there, and I profiled him during the year during my grocery shopping series. Max Duffy. No one is listening. Cameron- no one is listening to the <laughs> podcast at this point anymore. Yes, they are. If you're still listening. Hashtag, uh, hashtag Jimmy on punters. Hashtag Jimmy on punters. That's fine. All right, I'm going to give you guys one more too. Oh, real, quick, real, real, real quick, real quick, real, real quick. Cameron Johnston is going to be a restricted free agent. They're going right. to like he's not. They're going to cut him. They're, I mean, not that I guess they don't have to cut him. They're just not going to pay him. The re- they're not going to tender him as a restricted free agent like they did last year, or the same situation that they had last year with Corey Clement. 
and he might come back, but they're not going to tender him at that restricted free agent number. No way in hell. So there's going to be a period where he's not on the team and they may or may not bring him back. Maybe someone else will sign him. I don't know. But uh, he's not going to be on the team at one point during the offseason. So I think there is a chance that the Eagles will have a new punter in addition to maybe having a new quarterback in 2021. Punter being a storyline that I will. That's stuff he did when the Ray guy, but not this year, yeah, last okay. year. Awesome, <laughs> All right. The other guy that I like is um, he's a tight end. He's actually a Philly guy. I think or maybe an Allen. Uh, Kenny Aboa. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like Kenny Aboa. I was, I saw Old him. Miss, he was, right? What was that? Old Miss, right? Yeah. Old Miss, but he was a transfer from Temple and I saw him. I went and watched Maryland play Temple at the link 2019. And he like, he was a, he played well. He had a touchdown, four catches. And I was like, Oh, this guy looks like he could be a, like a good player. So Kenny, and then he had, you know, he had a crazy season. If not for Kyle Pitts, I think you would have heard a lot more about him as like a, you know, kind of like this revelation in the SEC. So uh, Kenny Abo is another one. And I think, listen, I think they're going to be looking for a tight end. I don't anticipate Pertz being back. So they're going to need a backup who's not Richard Rogers. So um, Kenny Abo, another guy, probably early day three would be my guess. But um, that's another one to keep an eye on. Kind of fits the prototypical stretch tight end. And uh Jimmy, I'm surprised you didn't say anything about your boy Peyton Turner. That's kind of the whole reason for this. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Peyton Turner. I had him in my mock draft. Actually, I had uh, I had him in my mock draft version 1.0. I actually had Uboa in there too, my mock draft. 1.0. Oh. Yeah, he's uh, he's an edge rusher. He was up around 290 for most of his career at Houston. Actually lost weight so that he could move to the edge and was like awesome this year in a limited number of games. Then he only played like five or six games or something like that. But he had about the same number of sacks as the number of games played. And he is going to be a riser as we well, head along well, in well. this draft uh, in this draft season. All right. Brandon, you got anything else in your bowl, guys, you like? My, my draft take is Devonta Smith or <laughs> Jamar Chase, one of those two. I hope. I, I, mean, I, uh, I kind of feel like both of them are going to be uh, gone. It's possible both are gone. But if they are one of them is there just please get one of those two i would like that very much i don't care that it's a trade back scenario if they're both gone because there will be quarterbacks on the board and you have yep. the lions are going to need oh, one wait, we'll, we'll plenty have... time to talk about this in the offseason we'll get to this <laughs> we, we're cutting that's this true. here so that's true that's no true. no final thoughts from you all right good um this has been bgn radio <laughs> episode 166 thank you for listening please rate review subscribe check out the sb nation nfl show which i am hosting uh co-hosting obviously on tuesdays with rob stats guerrera the oddcast michael kist obviously, who betrayed us and left BGN to take a promotion. Congrats to him. Uh, is Also, you can find him there now, more so. Uh, having Super Bowl coverage coming your way, obviously, with that coming up, if you like more than just Eagles talk, uh, check out Righteous on Craft Jerky, RighteousSong.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Check out me on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. Check out Jimmy on Twitter, at Jimmy Kemsky. Check Dan on Twitter, at Snacks Only, with an X. S-N-A-X-O-L-N-Y. I don't know if I just spelled that right. O-N-L-Y. O-N-L-Y. Only. Keep it brand boost. That's it. So do all that. Check out Bleeding Your Nation. Check out phillyvoice.com. And until next time, goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.